Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Chats with Chaudhry. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Gary Krupper, who is VP Proteomics Life Science Mass Spectrometry at Brooker Deltronics. And we're going to be talking about the key challenges in proteomics research. So hi, Gary. How are you? Doing really well, Rizwan. Thanks. But, and, and actually, people may not know this, but you are actually sitting in your work office in Prague, which is very exotic, I have to say. Yeah, that's correct. We have an office in Brno, but uh, I, I work out of a home office in Prague and travel around Europe. Um, well, I was traveling around Europe until the pandemic. <laughs> well, actually, talking about traveling, the last time you and I met was actually way back at ASMS Atlanta in 2019, where uh, you kindly did a video with me on uh, Dia Passef, uh, which you launched at the show. So how did that launch go? It's been actually pretty spectacular. Uh, we've continued to improve on the technology to the point where it's possible to get eight or up to eight or 9,000 proteins out of a library in a single 90 minute run. And we've also been investigating how many proteins we can get with really high throughput with really short gradients, even down to five minutes where we can still get thousands of proteins identified. And there's been tremendous interest and uptake in the community with that. So it's been really, really gratifying. Fantastic. Well, actually, just people know, I'm, if you're curious what that video looked like, I'm going to add the link to that video actually to this video as well. So you'll get to see Gary from a year ago and see if his hair's changed actually, so that we can check that out. So before we go any further talking about the challenges of proteomics, perhaps you can tell people a little bit about your particular uh, division within Brooker Daltonics and your role within it. Well, I'm not in charge of a division. I'm, I'm part of the life science mass spectrometry division. Um, and I'm the vice president for proteomics, and that means that I am responsible for uh, customer support. I have a team of field application scientists who support customers, both in terms of, uh, you know, routine support as well as collaboration support. And I have a team of uh, applications developers who develop applications, uh, proteomics applications on the TimTof Pro, um, and that, that's pretty much what I do. Fantastic. So let's talk about the challenges within proteomics research. And so what are the key challenges? Well, I, you know, proteomics, I view it as being a little bit fragmented today. There's really a lot of different types of samples that people want to look at for different kinds of applications. Uh, so depending on what your sample and application are, there may be specific unique challenges. But broadly, I would say you need a high speed, uh, very good sensitivity and depth of coverage of the proteome. Those are the, the key challenges in proteomics. Okay, you mentioned the application. So what are the key applications and the specific challenges for each of those? Well, if you're doing traditional discovery proteomics and you just want to discover as many proteins as you can or measure as many proteins as you can and compare them between cell cultures, for example, under different conditions, then uh, you need sensitivity uh, is important, but usually you have substantial sample in those situations. Uh, you want speed, depth of coverage, um, and, and that can depend a little bit on the sample type when you're doing discovery proteomics. Uh, then when you move to plasma proteomics, generally you have plenty of sample. You can get plenty of, of uh, sample from a person, plenty of plasma. Even if you just do a blood spot, you typically have 10 microliters, which is more than enough. But plasma has a lot of very highly abundant proteins. And so there, digging deep into the plasma proteome uh, without spending all your time on the highly abundant proteins is, is the key. And so speed is, 
important there as well as strategies to get around the highly abundant proteins. If you're doing tissue proteomics, uh, if you want to study cancer tissues, for example, versus healthy tissue, there you're talking about tissues taken from humans. So you, you're usually taking, of course, very low sample amounts. And so uh, since getting good depth of coverage, but with very, very high sensitivity is critical. Um, and then if you want to do lots of tissue samples, then you need speed for clinical applications of tissue proteomics. Um, you know, PTMs and phosphoproteomics have some of those same complications in terms of speed and sensitivity. Uh, there's interactomics where uh, speed is important. And the, the newly emerging field of single cell proteomics where sensitivity is the main key thing. You want to be, you want to work with uh, single cells and see as many proteins as you can uh, with, with very, very high sensitivity. Right. Well, that's so really. You can see it's a lot, a lot of different applications here. Yeah. Well, there's lots there actually. Yeah. And there's loads, as you said, with all their own specific challenges. So, um, what have Brooker Deltonics done in terms of developing the Tim's Tough Pro to address those challenges that uh, researchers and scientists are facing? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And and the PASF with the Tim's technology uh, adds an extra dimension of separation. The trapped ion mobility spectrometry at front end allows you to have an additional uh, dimension of separation while increasing your sensitivity and speed. Um, the TIMS device traps the ions and separates them according to their ion mobility and then releases them in small tight packets. So it's another uh, uh, layer of chromatographic focusing that focuses the ion packets, gives you great sensitivity, and releases them over 100 milliseconds. And in that 100 milliseconds, you can target 10 to 15 targets. So we're doing, where, where proteomics has been limited to speeds of uh, 20 to 40 hertz previously, we're now doing MSMS at speeds of 100 to 150 hertz. So that combination of speed and sensitivity is phenomenal. And then we have the selectivity as well with the collision cross-sections uh, measurements that we do. The TIMS separates the uh, molecules according to their collision cross-section. Right. Uh, this diapassive technique that we've developed also allows us to, to dig really deep and go really fast. And then once you've done discovery work and you know what you want to look for, we've also uh, rec very recently introduced the PRM passive method. And that allows you to do targeted, look at targeted panels with high speed and very high uh, specificity and sensitivity. And that solves the missing value problem. You're always targeting things that are on your list, your PRM list. Um, and I could go on. We're also working. Uh, I think one other exciting thing I want to mention before I stop on this topic, Rizwan, is the EvoCEP and the TimsTOF Pro. I think um, I can't talk about it much right now, but there's some really exciting developments coming along and very low flow rate uh, separations on the EvoCEP at low sample amounts or single cell proteomics. I think that's going to be incredibly exciting in the next few months. Fantastic. Well, look. I know that obviously that generates a lot of data, but there's also a lot of issues with that. So how is Brooker working in that area? Well, we, we made it a decision to keep our data file format open, which is one of the first, uh, it's a first in, in mass spectrometry, actually. Most vendors keep, still keep their data file formats proprietary. Uh, and this opens it up so that we can collaborate with lots of different people easily. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, uh, data file formats have been made common, but it's much easier if you just, the vendor makes their data file format open. All these different packages like MaxQuant, Peaks, Biognosis, Spectronaut, um, 
MS Fragger, they can all read our data natively and work very effectively with it. And they're all working to uh, include the iMobility uh, information with that. Right. And we've recently started a really important collaboration with uh, uh, integrated proteomics applications, a spin out from uh, John Yates's group at the Scripps Research Institute and their IP2 software for real-time mass spectrometry. So we can actually do IDs in real time. We can process a spectrum as it's acquired. And so we call that run and done. When you're done, the data is analyzed, you have all your results. And because we can process it that fast, we also have the potential through that collaboration uh, to, to process it so fast that the results can impact the acquisition. Right, okay. But you mentioned bioinformatics is important for data analysis, but the speed of modern computation approaches is also capable of improving data acquisition. Does it help in terms of data acquisition in terms of um, what you were talking about? Well, yes, yeah, the so-called real-time MS. Um, quite often when you're doing uh, proteomics experiments, you, you may want to look for new proteins, but you spend a lot of time sequencing known proteins. If you could very quickly look at a, a, a interim result on a peptide and say, yes, I know what that peptide is, you could stop signal averaging it. You could go on to the next peptide. Um, you could look for triggers that trigger you to look at certain things. Like you could, uh, for example, include heavy label peptides. And when you see those, you know your, your target peptide should be colluding. And so you trigger on those things. Um, you can try to uh, look for peptides that should have post-translational modifications if that was what you're interested in using the real-time analysis and you see back to say, yes, that's a peptide I'm interested in, spend more time on that. So we do expect that this collaboration with Integrated Proteomics Associates and, and the real-time uh, GPU processing of data will make a real impact, not just on speed of data analysis and handling large data sets, but also on more effectively spending your acquisition time on things that are interesting. Well, that's great. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, I know that's all we've got time for, but if people want to know more about the challenge to proteomics, um, how can they find out more? Well, uh, we have some webinars coming up and uh, there will also, we can also provide them with a link to our uh, literature room where they can look at our application notes, posters at various conferences, etc. Great. Okay. Well, as Gary mentioned, there is a webinar program coming up and there will be details of that with a link above the video when this is posted, plus a link to the web pages with additional information as well. So, uh, Gary, all I've got left to say is thank you very much for taking time out to tell me more about uh, this very interesting topic. It's been really interesting. Uh, thanks for taking time. It's lovely to see your, your apartment in Prague as well, I have to be honest. You know, so it's lovely, and it's lovely to see you again after such a long time. So it's been over a year now since I last saw you, so it's great to catch up with you. Um, everybody, I hope you found that useful. Please check out the links on the video. Um, if you've got any uh, questions for Gary, I'm sure we'll be happy to answer them. Put them on the comments section below. And as always, until next time, stay well and stay safe. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.